Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Uh, we've talked a bit about trust on here before, mm-hmm. about uh, hormones, about oxytocin, because, uh, you know, we're always big into talking about what are the what, what are the scientific uh, reasons for all these surface uh, levels of interaction, for all the, the ways that we, we feel, the ways that we behave, like what's, what's making us tick. And oxytocin often comes up in mm-hmm. terms of trust, in terms of love, in terms of emotional connections. So it was probably a bit too much for us to think or for anyone to, to get the idea that this is just a purely uh, positive thing, that there's something in no. the human body and in, in all of our, our the machinery that, that underlies who we are, that there's one substance that's just nothing but feel good in a jar. It's not the platonic ideal. And if anything, this this uh, idea that oxytocin could have a dark side is just uh, more evidence of du- the duality of things, right? Right. And uh, we've talked about oxytocin really in terms of cuddling and hugging. Yes. Um, that whole idea that if you wrap someone in an embrace for 20 seconds or more, that you're giving them just the right amount of pressure that your body will actually begin to produce oxytocin. Now, I want... Everybody. I still like that idea, and I, I think still it's great. am totally in favor of 20-second hugs All right, but between consenting adults. we Yes, we will. Yeah, and this sort of like hug pile-up, hug club thing, I'm not behind, <laughs> by the way. Um, but we will revisit this idea later as we talk about the dark side of oxytocin. So where do we get this this idea that that oxytocin is the super feel-good drug? The thing is we can kind of, uh, we can kind of lay this at... One individual's feet, for the most part. Uh, one, uh, uh, one, one doctor love, one love doctor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, an individual who you've seen on TED Talks uh, up there with his microphone preaching the the word of oxytocin and making a very compelling argument, as individuals who give TED Talks, at least the more recent ones, often do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you totally buy into it, and you're like, yes, the feel-good hormone, the mother hormone, the hug hormone, the kiss hormone, let me have some of that. Yeah, and we'll talk about Dr. Paul Zek, a.k.a. the Love Doctor, in a moment. But I wanted to just mention that oxytocin is an extract from the human posterior pituitary gland. And it was discovered in 1909 when the British pharmacologist Sir Henry H. Dale found that it could contract the uterus of a pregnant cat. And, of course, that's another way in which oxytocin shows up, right? Not just in cuddling or, um, you know, acts of lovemaking, but also... But in cat experimentation. Cat experimentation and basically mammalian birth, right? Yeah. Um, according to Ed Young, though, we have taken oxytocin as, as a sort of panacea for all ills, and we'll talk more about that with uh, uh, regards to Paul Zak. But I did want to say that the hormone is found in everything from octopuses to sheep, and its evolutionary roots stretch back a half a billion years and for decades, animal studies have shown that oxytocin is important for social interactions. So, for example, if you block the hormone, um, monogamous voles will actually become more promiscuous and use neglect their newborn lambs if they don't have access to that oxytocin. So you could see how it would be informing our ideas of um, connection, bonding, love, and and even in the whole sort of birth and death cycle that we have, these notions about 
how we go along here in society. Yeah, all these social animal interactions that we inevitably have all of these additional emotional layers that we wrap up in uh, as humans uh, at the scene of each crime, oxytocin. So, yeah. like, that's the, 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 the thread that runs through all of them. So, of course, we end up focusing on that. And then as it's uh, reported and, and championed, it, uh, it increasingly becomes seen as this magical feel-good elixir that, uh, that flows through us. You're right, because there are accounts of uh, being released when you tweet something. Um, and you dance. Yes. You know, it's just, it shows up everywhere. And I think that is what some researchers will say is the problem is that people are looking more at the results and not necessarily looking at the chemical mm-hmm. and why it is produced. Um, so again, let's, let's talk about Paul Zach though, because yes. he kind of is the guy that you have to point to who at least brought this idea of oxytocin as this, uh, utemp- utopian chemical. Uh, to a lot of people's imaginations. Yeah, he's uh, an American neuroeconomist, and uh, he uh, he even refers to himself as Doctor Love. Uh, so he, he really presses this idea that 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 not only is it at the root of all of these uh, uh, these positive uh, social interactions, but that it can or at least has the potential to change the world. That it can be used uh, almost offensively. Uh, for uh, the social betterment of the human race. Yeah, he actually even calls it the morality chemical yeah. uh, because of some of his studies that he did many different variations on, by the way. Mm-hmm. But the basic premise is that there's something called the trust game. And this is when a, a person, player one, is given some money and told to send a portion of it to the second person who is player two. Um, now, player two has a one-off choice to either accept or reject the proposal. And if player two rejects, then neither one of them get any money whatsoever. But if player two accepts, the money is split according to the proposal. So again, here's this idea that, you know, there's some sort of morality and, and um, generosity at play here. Mm-hmm. And typically a low offer, less than a third of the player's initial endowment, um, is rejected as stingy ensuring that both players getting, are getting nothing. And that's where that sort of morality comes into, because mm-hmm. even though someone is offering another person a certain amount of money, if you, if I offer you 10 cents, you might be like, wait, no way, that's not enough. I'm not even going to take it. And then yeah. neither one of us get anything. Mm-hmm. So when Zach tested the blood of players who had demonstrated trustworthy behavior, he found that their oxytocin levels had increased in proportion to the monetary transfer. Hmm. And he did this again and again, um, as I said, just with different... Uh, scenarios getting more and more philanthropic, right? So sometimes players would give to um, a third party and they would begin to see these spikes again in oxytocin and the act of their generosity. And so he's sitting there making this case that perhaps just the presence of oxytocin could be enough to change the way that we operate in the world. Right. And is no surprise, as uh, we were looking at some links yesterday, you can go on Amazon and you can buy oxytocin. You can buy, uh, there's one called uh, Liquid Trust that, that doesn't sound uh, creepy at all. It's in a spray <laughs> canister um, so that you can make people trust you, supposedly. Um, I don't know. I haven't tried the product, but my, my, my guess is that it doesn't work. The reviews seem to think it didn't work. No, I have it just it's being piped into the air ducts here. Oh, is it? And okay. no evidence that anybody's <laughs> getting any more generous with their sandwiches. <laughs> so one of the, the things that we're going to get into the, the particulars of, of this, but I, I think that the root here is that, that, it's, uh, that, that oxytocin ends up being presented 
as this uh, this positive hormone, mm-hmm. as this uh, emotional hormone, as this morality hormone. When it is, in a sense, it is a, it is a social hormone, and it is it definitely is involved in different social interactions. Mm-hmm. But are all social interactions positive? No, not not in the animal world, not in the human world, and even the emotional responses in the human world that we see as positive. Uh, when you strip them away and you start looking at how they work as an organism, you see just how much human BS is involved there. You know, you can easily make the make the the, the argument that uh, this whole, you know hormonal rush and the attachment, the bond between uh, between parent and uh, and child. I mean, that's just about the organism surviving. That's mm-hmm. just gets down to the root genetic mission that, in and of itself, is completely devoid of love and understanding. All right, we're going to get to the bottom of this, of the much more nuanced uh, versioning understanding that we are having of oxytocin in a moment, but let's take a quick break. All right, we're back. Let's talk about oxytocin and uh, how it actually has been showing up in studies is, is taking on a far different role. I'm talking about envy and Schadenfreude. Yes. Now, envy, of course, we've uh, discussed uh, in detail. We did a whole episode about it during our exploration of the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. Envy is, is when you, you you see something that you want or you see something in another person and you maybe you don't even want it, but you just sort of detest that it. it's there. You might even just want to destroy it. But but you have this intense negative response to something in somebody else or off somebody else. And then there's schadenfreude. Well, that's when something unfortunate happens to another person and inside you sort of celebrate when you see or hear about it, right? Yes. Uh, which is, it's not a great emotion, right? But all of us at some point or another have probably experienced it. Who doesn't like to see their friends fail every now and then just just to feel a little better about it? Well, it could be a frenemy, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think, and that's probably, I bet, I bet that if you had some sort of widespread study on this, you'd probably see it's more frenemy than enemy, right? Yeah, because your enemy, uh, you know, that's because it, it, it's, I feel like part of the, the, the Schadenfreude uh, situation is that you feel good about it, but you also feel bad about it. Like, you know you're not supposed to feel it. Where you don't really feel sh- Schadenfreude about a, you know, a bitter enemy uh, you know, falling in defeat. That's more just you know the, the pure victory of overcoming your adversaries. Well, that might be a clue as to why oxytocin plays a part in Schadenfreude, because if you think about it, as you said, uh, oxytocin is really the social hormone. Right. If you feel closer to someone that you know, then perhaps you're not going to dwell in that arena of emotions. So I wanted to point out that Simone Chimay Tesorsi at the University of Haifa in Israel showed that as well as promoting trust and generosity, oxytocin can heighten feelings of envy and schadenfreude. This is in the journal Biological Psychiatry. When volunteers played a gambling game, those who inhaled the hormone gloated more when they beat other players. They also reported more acute stabs of jealousy when the tables were turned. Ah. Okay. Now, that gets us into more of this, again, social uh, construct here. And you think about how we treat one another and how we are sometimes biased when we make decisions because of the relationships we have with people. Yeah, I mean, everywhere you go in human culture, obviously there are all these divisions. There are divisions of race. There are divisions of uh, of economic status, of social status, mm-hmm. of, uh, of of your status in a working environment. All of these uh, these 
barriers come into play, mm-hmm. and in many cases, artificial barriers that are just purely social in, in form, but you end up with all these different uh, packs or tribes. And we've seen this again and again, that even if two people are in a room and they have something in common as, say, the same shirt on or the mm-hmm. same color, they tend to just subconsciously feel more connected to that person. So the link can be so tenuous. Yeah. And yet we make that connection. Oh, I have that shirt. Or, oh, you like that band as well. Yeah, because on some level we want to we want to project our own feelings onto that person and yeah. believe that they're like us. That's why we have icebreakers. I know everyone hates icebreakers, but... If, if if one stupid game of ice-breaking trust falls mm-hmm. or passing notes around, if, if that can prevent one office axe murder, then I say, go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, as an aside, since we just did an episode on vulnerability, that's mm-hmm. a good example of when you show your vulnerability, you show yourself, and there's more of a commonality there. But Caroline de Klerk of the University of Antwerp in Belgium, she found that people under the hormones influence became more cooperative with one another only if they have some information about their partner. But when they were paired with an anonymous stranger, they became less cooperative. Now, that was some real insight because, again, oxytocin has been touted as this this bonding agent. Yeah, like something that's just breaking down barriers. Mm-hmm. That you pump it into a room and, uh, and two bitter enemies are just going to embrace in a hug. Not so, because our social interactions are also about divisions. It's, uh, I mean, from a uh, just an, an evolutionary standpoint. I mean, think of that scene in 2001, uh, Space Odyssey, <laughs> where, you know, it's tribes of monkeys beating each other up with, with bones. And that social interaction, and no, and no doubt there was, a, there was a little oxytocin involved in that situation. Not well, that that actually happened. I'm not, I, I'm not of the, the mind that that scene involved actual apes killing each other. Well, I think the problem, too, is that people, when they looked at Paul Zach's work, mm-hmm. and he was a big proponent of oxytocin and basically saying, like, oh, they're, they're in the London riots, if only you know people weren't high on their testosterone and they were high on oxytocin, that wouldn't have happened. People said, no, that's that's a cultural thing that, that went mm-hmm. on. It had to do with economics. It had to do with... Um, Education. There were, there's so many different factors involved there. And Paul Zak kept saying, well, no, I don't think so because, because our results are coming from the chemicals which are measurable in the blood. And that's far more accurate than, say, fuzzy images from a brain scan. We think that there's more hard evidence. But he, you know, I don't think that he or some of the researchers at that time really took into account the cultural aspects. And I wanted to mention that He Jung Kim of the University of California in Santa Barbara found that in South Korea, where it's usually a faux pas to sort of burden your friends with any of your problems, Mm -hmm. he found that people who were certain carriers of this gene, um, how to to explain this? We've talked about this before, actually. There are some people who have an A variant of this gene and some people have a G variant. Mm -hmm. And basically it helps dock the oxytocin. So you've, you know, the receptors, you're going to have much more oxytocin flowing through you if you have this G variant of this Okay, gene. so this is where we get into the people who are genetically huggers and yeah, hug addicts. Yeah, we were yes. talking about this, hug addicts. People who are hugging all the time, they might be needing a fix because they're, they really <laughs> like that oxytocin. Well, what this researcher found is that um, the people who are the, the hug junkies or who should be the hug junkies actually sought solace far less than their their non-caring variants mm-hmm. and that at the end of the day it's it's the social trait it's the social sensitivity and it's not you know this idea that you're responding to oxytocin is not determined by biology but by culture 
Mm-hmm. And here's a good example of people who are acting in a certain way, even though biologically you should say, oh, uh, yeah, those are the people who are going to seek solace most often. Now, of course, mindset plays a huge role here as well. And if mm-hmm. we look at the, the research from uh, Jennifer Bartz uh, from uh, the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, she found several responses that depend on a person's mindset show that socially secure people remember their mothers in a more positive light after inhaling oxytocin, while anxious ones remember their mothers as less caring and more distant. So in that brief example, you can see how the oxytocin, yes, is having it's having an effect on the individual, but it kind of depends on the mindset, the, the existing wiring or the existing plumbing when you uh, when you pump this stuff in. Yeah, she actually showed that oxytocin hinders hinders trust and cooperation among people with borderline personality disorder. So again, it cannot be at this reductionist like you just give someone some oxytocin and they're going to cooperate. And, yeah, you can't just get that bottle of liquid trust and just start hosing people down thinking that it's going to universally have this positive effect on them. Right, because you have the cultural aspect to it and then you just have the mindset. Um, so some people actually may act in ways that that are counterintuitive to mm-hmm. this whole social bonding situation. And that brings up this question of why. Why would oxytocin act in those various ways, and much of that is still a mystery, but there are a couple of theories. So back to Bart's. Now, she would say that the key to understanding what the hormone does is really in talking about its function, rather how and where it shows up. And there are a couple of uh, theories out there. Oxytocin could help reduce anxiety and fear. Or it could simply motivate people to seek out social connections, which would account for a rise in trust and cooperation in some people, but also explain why oxytocin sniffers gravitate toward others resembling themselves, and why people who fear social rejection are not necessarily better off with more of the hormone. So if you have anxiety in someone and uh, they get a dose of oxytocin and they their, their fear arousal is heightened, then that's just sort of playing to what they're already experiencing right now and, and helping them to what they think battle is, you know, these these uh, threats. We're going to take one more quick break, and when we come back, more on this exciting topic. So, what is this, uh, this all pointing towards? Pointing towards the obvious, that oxytocin is not a magic bullet. It's yeah. not... Something that you can put in a, a can, spray in somebody's face, and it's going to fix whatever is ailing them. Uh, but and, and as we're saying that, it's uh, there are plenty of studies going on right now. I think uh, what forty different uh, clinical studies yeah. are currently ongoing uh, about oxytocin, and uh, and uh, they're exploring it with a more nuanced understanding for the most part of what oxytocin is. So we're hoping to um, to, get, to get a better understanding of. A, how it works mm-hmm. and how and how it is uh, engaging in all these uh, these uh, social interactions. And there's the possibility that we will learn how to better treat certain conditions with oxytocin. Right. Like a lot of those clinical trials are looking at autism and schizophrenia because mm-hmm. the idea is if you if you give a child who is autistic a dose of this, that perhaps he or she will heighten their ability to connect, to bond, right. which is one of the things that when you look at the autism spectrum, there's there, there's sometimes a lack of that. Uh, but researchers are saying, don't go online and get the spray. Yes. First of all, the concentrations aren't going to be enough to, to really do anything. And second of all, if you look at these other findings that say that it can heighten, um, you know, this this envy, this schadenfreude, um, these other sort of antisocial aspects of it, we're not certain how that's going to play out with people who might have 
autism or schizophrenia. So, you know, let the, let the research uh, continue on that so that they can get a better picture of it. Yeah, because to, to a large extent, the each individual's wiring, each individual's plumbing is a little different and sometimes dramatically different depending on what's going on there neurologically. So spraying one person down with oxytocin and spraying another one down, potentially vastly different effects. So... Yeah, and you know, and do I understand. Do not try at home. And I do understand how, it, and one level, it's sort of disappointing because of its associations with all the the sort of kitten and rainbows um, existence. You yeah. know, childbirth, uh, breast milk production, cuddling. But mm-hmm. you know, it's a chemical, and it's it's uh, far more complex. And we, above everything, we want science to give us these silver bullets. They want to, we want science yeah. to say, here's the vaccine for this. Here is the treatment that fixes this. Here is an, is another way that we can uh, address something that is wrong with an individual or even with us as a species. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't actually going to bring this up, but you and I have talked about this before. TED, the conference, has mm-hmm. come under fire sometimes because it is, does deliver these big ideas and sort of oh, sil- oh, silver yeah. bullets, you know, solutions. And it, some people have said that it can be sort of reductionist in that way. Mm-hmm. And Paul Zach's TED Talk is really great and it is really uplifting. But at the end of the day, it, it you know, humanity is much messier than that. Yeah. So there you have it, oxytocin. We've covered it before. Now we've covered it a little more, and uh, this time we've uh, we've we've added a little darkness to our uh, discussions of it. So, so take that with you as you uh, as you observe yourself either engaging in a twenty second hug or uh, feeling the seething envy as you look at your friends in your Facebook feed. You know what I'm going as for Halloween? What are you going as? For An Halloween? aggressive oxytocin hugger. Oh, see, doesn't that totally recast your idea of hugging now? Yeah. Yeah, like a like a junkie. Like I just need my fix. I need, I, my fix. I need my fix, and I envy everybody else who gets the hugs, and I don't. There was a recent. I will ep- be hugged. <laughs> there was a recent skit on uh, Key and Peele where it's uh, where there's a baseball player that's really into to slapping other baseball players' butts, mm-hmm. and uh, and he ends at the end of the other baseball players on the team tell him, "No, we just we don't want you to slap our butts anymore." Um, you just do it way too much, and you're just way too into it. And uh, and at the end of the episode, he's like a he's a, he's like a, a junkie with withdrawals, just asking you know for one more slap <laughs> to one more butt. Uh, and in, and you know it's silly and goofy, but but really, I mean, a, a social interaction like slapping a teammate's butt, mm-hmm. there's invariably oxytocin involved there. And if one is a G type butt slapper, mm-hmm. then uh, then the, the situation is very akin to an addict. So. So I think I'm going to um, create these sort of blow-up arms yeah. that really create a vice grip around people so they Ooh. can't escape. And maybe a little countdown clock so after 20 seconds they can escape. Yeah. Or you can just shout the, the countdown like right in their ears as you hug them. I'm going to be the most popular person at the party. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. The darkness of oxytocin. Let us know how this uh, information incorporates into your understanding of your own life or the lives of those around you. We're always uh, game to hear those. And hey, in future episodes, we're going to try and fit in more listener mail. Uh, but we're kind of running uh, fast and ragged at the moment, or at least I am. So, uh, how do you find us? How do you get in touch with us? How do you find the podcast? You go to stufftoblowyourmind.com. That's what you do because that's where we put everything. And then if you want to interact with us on a particular social network or another, well, we're on Facebook. We are on Tumblr. We're Stuff to Blow Your Mind on both of those. And on Twitter, our handle is Blow the Mind. And you can always drop us a line, and you can do so at BlowTheMind at Discovery.com. 
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Thank <laughs> you.